This podcast was recorded on May 3rd, 2020. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unopposed to the idea of sitting down with fellow mayoral candidates here in the May 19th primary in Eugene, Oregon. Um, and one of those is the wonderful Zondi Zinke, who is a mother, an activist, a writer, um, and a person who I am so glad to be running alongside. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit, Zondi? Um, nope, that was great, but I want to, I guess I can say, yes, I'm a candidate for mayor and I'm running on the Solidarity platform. And I'll probably mention this at the end of the show, but you can look it up at solidarityplatformeugene.org. Um, and just that I'm so happy, I'm so proud to be running with all six non-incumbent um, mayoral candidates. When I say running with, Thomas Yura is not part of the, um, no, you can I'm clarify not. that, sure. um, the Solidarity Platform. But, Don't um, associate me with this radical no, stuff. No, 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 no. But, <laughs> um, but I am seriously um, proud of every single one of the six candidates and I stand by them and I support you voting for any one of the non-incumbent mayoral candidates. Well, that's something that I really appreciate because, you know, have you followed Albert Lee's congressional campaign at all up in Portland? Um, no. So he's a really cool um, sort of outsider candidate and he is endorsed by brand new Congress, just like Doyle Canning. And he talks about how democracy requires choice. And um, we, you know, it's 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 when you get into the establishment two party politics, they are so often convinced that if you have someone who's a Democrat, everything's good. Don't challenge them. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Um, you know, that seat is filled. Let's focus on flipping Republican seats because Republicans mm -mm, are the enemies. Mm -mm, and then mm -mm. the Republicans play the same games. It's like mm -mm. demonize all the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And that's not the reality of life. <laughs> <laughs> Having a D or an R next to your name doesn't automatically mean that everything you're doing is productive or terrible. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you to... Um, the first question I ask everybody on the show is, what is a controversial opinion that you have about anything? Sure. Um, and this one's a little tricky for me to talk about because I, I think I've discovered that it's controversial sort of in a rather passive way, which is that, um, you know, as I began in this campaign to speak out more about what I think needs to happen on climate change, I feel that surely what needs to happen is, well, I shouldn't say surely, I, I'm nearly sure that what needs to happen is a, some level of um, mandatory behavior change. Um, and so the way I've been framing that as um, in my campaign is that we need to aggressively take on um, pilots around climate change, voluntary pilots, and if those um, voluntary actions prove inadequate, then in short order, we need to switch that to mandatory um, mm. pilots. You're and talking about pilot programs, right? Not yeah. A, all right. Though, yeah, yeah. though airline pilots also do contribute <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, no, airline <laughs> pilots probably need to be grounded a, a lot more than they are. But, um, but um, so with that, I can explain, you know, just, I mean, you really need many heads behind that. But um, the reason that I am saying it's controversial is I realize this, I don't hear this said at all. And I feel like it's a new thing coming out of my mouth. And I'm in touch with, you know, high level climate activists, and nice. they don't have it on their list of suggestions. And I don't know if that's because um, it's not needed. There are solutions without um, any mandates. Um when I say mandates, mandates on the populace at large, mm. um, or at least an, on, you know, a select consumption levels. Um, uh -huh. um, 
So I don't know if it's not needed, and that's great if it's not, but it's hard for me to believe, or if it's because climate activists um, and organizations don't want to alienate either the public at large from um, what is the common cause or alienate the government and power bodies that they need um, to be acting in concert. You know, they need to invite the um, government bodies to act in concert with them. So, um, and of course, for anybody holding political office, that's a possibly political suicide to be mentioning um, mandates. I'm hoping that that will, if it is needed, that that will change rapidly. Right on. Well, um, you know, liberty is such a such a deeply like American constitutional thing. And so, um, you know, I would say that one of the things that sets me a little bit apart is that I'm, you know, not um, fully anti-capitalist. I see virtues in competition and in um, capitalism that's maybe more human centered, uh, not this totally unfettered, unregulated. Wall Street can speculate and do whatever they want with our money, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's that's something that's true for me. But you know, we have to recognize that if there is a totally anarcho-capitalist, like, you know, no rules, no holds barred, um, that people are going to do things that are destructive to the planet, especially because as human beings, we evolved in a way that makes us most sensitive to threats that look the most urgent. If I got up here and broke this six foot boundary between you and I, and I, and I was going to throw a punch at you, you would probably do something (laughs) about that. But with um, you know, the carbon having reached 415 parts per million in the atmosphere, that's not something that looks like the kind of thing evolutionarily that we would have thought of as a threat. Um, <laughs> but if anybody's allowed to do anything, um, then, you know, our, you know, you're a mother, your children, their children, my grandchildren, potentially that I hope will exist and be really awesome, um, are going to suffer. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to underscore something. When I just heard Thomas break down, you know, this idea of why we are not responding as we need to around climate change and how our, we are not evolutionarily adapted to mm. abstract threat like that, yeah. it, I just appreciate so much him as a candidate saying these necessary things around climate, you know, really insightful things around climate change and climate response, which you know, I'm afraid that our current leadership, she does not do it at all. Mm. Well, um, you mentioned that I have a bunch of hats and uh, <laughs> you mentioned that I looked uh, like an egomaniac at first, but now you don't experience me, me in that way. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can, though. It's fine. People have experienced me in that way and I'm OK with it. I'm just like no holds barred, proud. You know, my name's on my car. Um, yeah. But, you know, I had a I had a hat that said H-A-T-T, hat. And it stood for <laughs> humanity and tough truths. It was supposed yeah. to be like my much better, um, like the inverse of MAGA. And um, that's something I really felt, you know, as a person who supported Andrew Yang a lot. He talks about humanity first. Um, and now he has an organization called Humanity Forward. But humanity and tough truths. Humanity is something we see people on the left you know, spearheading a lot and saying, you know, let's care for the people who are the most marginalized and in the most need of resources. And then I think, you know, people around here in Lane County uh, who are more conservative are often willing to speak the tough truths, are often willing to criticize our Democrats who have had power in this region for since like the 80s and uh, are still leading us sometimes off a cliff. (laughs) Um, So I want to be able to bring in both of those things. Um, And I've been really appreciative that, you know, I started this campaign for mayor in August um, and it's been great to watch like other people come in and and uh, be like, 
I don't know if recognizing the same sorts of things I've recognized or being able to just put themselves forward um, in a way that says we're not just going to settle for, you know, what we have because, you know, Matthew Uke talks about um, our current mayor having been sort of anointed, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. Yeah. typically it's like people, the you know, the establishment likes to bring people who have like, hey, this person was a city councilor and was a state rep and a state senator or, and have this for these electoral um, experiences. And then they were kind of like, nah, we don't need to do that this time. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things I've seen is sort of a competence deficit. You know, it's there's mm-hmm. an honesty and a truthfulness deficit, but there's also a deficit of, um, you know, when you elect somebody who doesn't seem to have any of the, I mean, nonprofit and fundraising experience is relevant to like campaigning um, and having relationships is good. But um, that to me has been an issue. Um, so I want to ask you, what do you think um, like qualifies you in this run? I know I know it's not like an egocentric run that you're doing to say, I am the best person in Eugene to be the mayor. It's a lot more like, hey, this is what we got to fucking do to um, put be- stronger leadership that really represents the people of Eugene. And so what what makes you, um, you know, run for mayor? Yeah. Well, I can say that I've been... Um, if anyone knows David Zupan from Progressive Voices and KEPW and PeaceWorks, um, he sent out an email this morning, sort of, uh, and in which he said that she is uh, something that I'm a fierce watchdog of local um, governmental action, and so I think one of my strengths is that I um, have. Um, been able to really watch um, just in terms of the structure of my life I've had access to watching um, nearly every city council meeting every um, public forum etc and so I have a lot of information and I've I, I mean I when you have when you've been tracking something so closely for four years longer um, too but you're just not going to be duped um, you know you've seen it You've seen how it happens. Mm. So I think that's one of my strengths. But I want to say that I have been so humbled because I thought, um, you know, one reason I r- r- am running is because I thought, oh, I do stand out a little bit in among so many people that I um, share values with in that I'm like really watch the process and call out the process. And I don't, you know, extend trust where it's not due. But true. But when I say I'm really humbled, I see so much um, with this with people organizing with around the solidarity platform. Um, every person has so much to offer, and even where I felt like, I mean, at some point I decided, okay, th- there's not going to be any vetting process here. Everybody should be encouraged to be democratically engaged, mm. so or engaged in this in this process. And um, you know, maybe I had some hesitations about how's this person going to come across. I mean, I have all that about myself too all the time, <laughs> believe me. But um, you know, I am so humbled because I feel, um, you know, when you when you face your own biases, it, it it's finally an enriching thing, and you realize, God, what a fool to, um, or you know, I don't have to go too far with it, but um, it's a but podcast. It's, Go as far as you want. Okay, and I really <laughs> just feel like um, people. 
I understand that so many people can do this job so well, yes. but it is not the people, I think, who are, are inclined, first of all, to run. Hopefully that's yes. changing um, because it is status quo establishment thinkers who are inclined to run yep. and who will, would have the machinery behind them to get elected. And there is an, a, it's not that there's no values um, in the, the, you know, in, in being a sort of establishment thinker. Mm. Establishment thinkers tend to um, be calm and orderly. Um, yeah. But um, th there's also limits. I mean, this might not be the time to be the most uh, calm, orderly, uh, let's make an ad hoc committee for every decision. It's like, let's yeah. have some <laughs> let's have some urgency and bring something, you know, yeah. to the table. I mean, it's, it's honestly amazing to think that after... 3.6 3.7 years of being the mayor like having basically no accomplishments is worth reelecting like it's yeah. it's it shows i think to me i think such an arrogance about like it's it's not necessary that i have accomplishments on the ground it's like the the, the word frameworks gets brought up a lot it's like oh we're going to next term i'm really going to see these changes on the ground happening with affordable housing with the riverfront properties and it's like why are you just assuming that the people are going <laughs> to elect you again when none of this, they're looking around, they're like, homelessness is getting worse. The climate plan, you know, the 2020 goals have not been met at all. You know, like, you know, what's going on with our education system? Blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah. And, and at the same time, she's not likely to, I mean, she's not, you know, too far off in assuming that so much of the political establishment structure yeah. where you just get endorsements, um, you know, that are, are pretty mindlessly given or, you know, it, because there's this viability threshold, mm. you know, I mean, it, it, it kind of revolts me that, uh, you know, I, I don't mean that to put that. I was going to say it kind of revolts me that um, mm. none of us have the endorsement from, for example, Sunrise. I mm. don't mean to put that on them. I completely understand their 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 new organization in town. I, they I wanted to endorse me, but I didn't turn in the form quite quick enough. So uh -huh. that was part of it. For yeah, me. <laughs> that's, that's very possible. There were a lot of forms. Yeah, th there were. Um, so, but that. Um, but they also did not endorse the incumbent. No, they, they didn't did not endorse, endorse anybody so in the race. But I, um, you know, and I have some interest in some, you know, in my wildest dreams, they would come out with a late endorsement of anyone but the incumbent to see that we were all to the left of her. We were we were all much stronger on climate change than she is. But in any case, what I'm, my point is not to harp on them because I completely understand where sure. they were coming from from looking at um, viability issues and being a fledgling organization locally. The, um, but, you know, uh, same for 350 pack, which is also new this year. So mm. to not be able to, when you have um, obvious distinctions, but really the, you know, I, I feel like we have a hobbled campaign. I have a hobbled campaign. Mm. And so um, I understand, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that I even want to convince, try too hard to convince organizations or right. individuals to endorse me when I don't think there's, um, you know, it, it's the the best shot if is of breaking through to the primary is if, if for for any of us is if um, we are able to have people pause over this, you know, message that Lucy Vinny's is the progressive choice, which oh is actually uh, quite a joke. But I mean, okay, if she was just saying progressive, <laughs> I wouldn't be as perturbed. <laughs> but the progressive, progressive choice, yeah. which 
okay, let's talk a little about, about sustainability. That was her yard sign in 2016, <laughs> and now they're reusing a lot of the signs, but they've also been reusing a lot of the digital graphics, could, which could be easily changed. <laughs> yes, yes. So when you're trying to set yourself apart from a 10-year city councilor who's the most right-leaning city Republican city councilor in our um, mm -hmm. city, then mm -hmm. it, I can understand that that was the case mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. But run a campaign that's relevant to now and that's mm -hmm. honest about what's happening now. Mm -hmm. And you've been very clear about the fact that she is... It, to, you know, to the to the right of everybody. Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. just that we are to the left mm -hmm, of her. It's that she is to the right yeah. of everybody in the race, mm -hmm. um, but has the infrastructure is, I'm sure people are text banking and phone banking probably right now, you know, <laughs> to, to try to get the vote out. But I genuinely believe that, um, and this is actually, this relates a little bit to what you're saying about endorsements. A person's record is um, paramount. What they've actually done and who they've actually been is... You can't you can't dump six figure money on someone and say that they're they were they're progressive or that they you know in a race the fact that you know the elected city auditor position that would have brought mm -hmm. some democratic accountability into what happens at city council meetings was shut down in part by by Mayor Venice. Mm -hmm. um, so you know to respond a little bit too because. Um, Hopefully one of us or, you know, any of the six of us will be on the on the ballot in November and then people will be like, how the fuck did that happen? And they'll be looking at these old videos and watching. <laughs> so I want to say uh, my, my philosophy with endorsements, especially with Sunrise and uh, well, just with endorsements in general, was um, that they I do see the limitations, especially like you look at Ward 2. Um, Matt Keating versus, I don't try not to name names sometimes, but Matt mm -hmm. Keating versus Kate Davidson. I actually like both those people, but I think that, you know, Matt tried to file in Ward 8 before he before mm -hmm. he moved into Ward 2 to run for there and then has been pumping up like, oh, I've been a 97405 resident for a long time. It's like, that's not how the voting happens, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, n it's practically a congressional campaign he's running when you look at all the endorsements mm -hmm. and all the people that lined up mm -hmm. behind him. And it's been very transparent. If you actually have your ear to the ground, um, and you and I are probably in the top 0.1% mm -hmm. of people who have our ears most mm -hmm. to the ground about this race, mm -hmm. which makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, come on. Um, Matt encouraged Lucy to run mm -hmm. uh, in mm -hmm. 2015, I think, mm -hmm. and uh, really helped out. And she basically mm -hmm. said, if, mm -hmm. I, if, I, if there's somebody that can help me with a campaign, it's Matt mm -hmm. Keating. And so even though Kate Davidson has been in the ward for 18 mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. has immense, immense progressive credentials, mm -hmm. you know, it's favoritism. Mm -hmm. It's favors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's got operatives on a lot of these endorsement committees. Mm -hmm. So somewhat, you know, arrogantly. Uh, I believed that I'm going to be able to do this. Like I saw, like I'm going to be able to cut through and just talk about my record and talk about my years of policymaking experience and what I've actually accomplished with passing policy on multiple campuses, et cetera. And I'll be able to get into that, that number two spot and we'll, we'll see now. But, um, that was a little bit of my ego coming in and being like, I'm not going to take the endorsement process as seriously mm -hmm. as I could have. Um, because it is discouraging sometimes when you know that you have the values and, and the policies and it's just going to go to, mm -hmm. you know, Adam Smith anyway. Mm -hmm. I, don't know I brought up yeah. <laughs> it's true, Adam the Smith conventional, <laughs> you know, yeah. the most like shiny, easy uh -huh. to put up on a poster yeah. kind of person. Mm -hmm. I would even say, you know, my yard sign philosophy has been, okay, I'm probably going to need them in the general, but it's basically single use plastics. Like if mm -hmm. the city's going to like, if the, the city is going to, um, you know, ba ban single use plastics for, you know, Chiba hut where I used to work and restaurants and people who are doing food service work. Um, 
but they're going to be so encouraging of like, hey, here's this yard sign that you can only put up between this very specific period mm-hmm. of a very specific year. And there's mm-hmm. all these regulations mm-hmm. on it. And it's a vanity thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's very much about putting yourself up there mm-hmm. and out mm-hmm. there. Um, it's not educational. No, no. Like, you know, it's very rarely that people, you know, I like signs that say, you know, like no human being is illegal and like actually have like a message. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, you're totally mm-hmm. right. It's mm-hmm. very, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's often too, it's like, oh, okay, I'm a Democrat for city council. It's like, that's your attempt at telling mm-hmm. people what you stand for mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know that in your area it's beneficial to say you're a Democrat mm-hmm. in a nonpartisan race. Mm-hmm. I've been right, talking right. for a while. <laughs> I'll just give you the floor. Well, I was going to say um, that at some point in this podcast, I would love to hear some about, um, the policies you got passed on campuses, et cetera, because sure. I actually don't know that much and it would be great That's to turn my the fault. tables I a little bit. I haven't talked about it much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, everyone should know. Sure. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, one of the biggest things was uh, medical amnesty um, policy for people who were experiencing, like they had to make a 911 call because somebody was having like a bad reaction to like a psychedelic drug mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and our policy that we passed in the Carlton Student Association Senate in 2014 or 15 um, gave medical amnesty to those people. So they would actually have the you know, if somebody is in a life or death situation, you know, or they're an underage, the bigger thing was an underage drinking situation, um, they might be able to, before our policy, they might be able to be punished within the school's policy, even if they weren't punished legally for having participated in underage drinking. You're going to, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to suspend a 20 and a half year old kid, you know, who's doing great <laughs> in school because, you know, they were <laughs> underage drinking or something. It's, <laughs> it's absurd. So that's one of them. I fought also <laughs> very strongly for, um, trying to get the college to divest from their, their endowment from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was another big thing. Um, but then, you know, government too, like one of the reasons why I think that like I'm suited for local government is because there's a lot of tedium and a lot of like, there is a learning curve and you end up like bickering over small things, which is, which is fine. That's kind of what we elect mm-hmm. people to do is make mm-hmm. those decisions for us mm-hmm. that we don't put on the ballot. So like, um, student publications, right. Um, we would fund as the Carlton student association, um, publications, uh, and we would try to, we would try to be fair across publications, but then there was like the Carlton business review. That was this economic publication. And they're like, we need to have color printing for all of our pages, uh, because you know, our graphs are, uh, our economic <laughs> graphs just depend on it. <laughs> and then I like brought a, a addition to the meeting and I was like, yo, you guys took the arts publication and the music publication, all these people and said they had to print in black and white. Look at these people who have one red border around their pages and they're demanding that they get, you know, you know, the color printing. So those are a couple of the things. Um, <laughs> And uh, I ran unsuccessfully for student body president um, mm-hmm. on a platform of, you know, inclusion and equity and diversity. But uh, thankfully, uh, the person who ran against me was uh, she ended up being the first um, person of color to hold that office for uh, the the near future anyway. So it was really mm-hmm. cool. And she did an outstanding job. Um, mm-hmm. So I had four years of experience, experience there. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just... Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of fun, mm-hmm. but I don't blame anybody. Cause I, I, you know, as much as I do like to put myself out there with music and stuff, um, I'm also anxious about putting myself out there sometimes too, and anxious about talking about myself. Hmm. Um, but I want the people to know you as a person too. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're a mother and, uh, I've gotten to know you recently, but we don't know each other that mm-hmm. well. And, um, take the mayoral race out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what do you love about Eugene and what, mm-hmm. t- 
Tell us about who you mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, this is funny. It's sort of an outdated question for me since my um, younger daughter stopped breastfeeding, I guess just three years ago, no, four years ago. Um, but um, but it's if people ask me why I love Eugene, it, this is always what comes to my mind, is that um, because I moved here when my older daughter was just one years one year old and um i just felt like i was surrounded by women who breastfed in public and um and when i breastfed in the amazon pool i had women come up to me and say thank you for breastfeeding in the pool that's (laughs) Um, such an unexpected (laughs) reaction you see all these stories go viral of people being like that's disgusting a human breast is disgusting which people could see how disgusted i am at that statement anyway that's Um, great yeah and so that's really just the, it really sticks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I know that your mother went to Barnard College, which was one mm-hmm. block away from where I went to grad school in, in New mm-hmm. York City um, uh, on the Columbia campus. And um, so you're from New York, is that correct? I am, yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> how did you end up, uh, how did your journey to Eugene end up taking place? Um, well, really, um, to go to grad school um, for creative writing. At the UO, nice. really, my partner more than more than myself wanted to move to Oregon, and so he encouraged me to apply to that program. And um, I had absolutely wonderful mentors there, all of whom are no longer there. Um, mm. But um, that's what brought me to Eugene. Mm-hmm. Okay, right on. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. What do you think about the? So we're sitting in the Wayne Morris Free Speech Plaza now, which is part of the Lane County government. Um, let me ask you about. Because um, if you run for mayor, you are you, you have to be able to take on all the tough questions, right? Um, we don't have a goddamn city hall. Mm-hmm. We do not have a city mm-hmm. hall, and we mm-hmm. haven't had one for since, I think, 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you have a plan, or how would you um, get us out of the county building? Um, because mm-hmm. it's... It's good as a stopgap solution, but it's not a long-term thing. And uh, Andor, what do you think about the Park Blocks project um, and the progress that, that the city's been doing there? And how would you move it forward? Sure. I wouldn't move it forward. Um, <laughs> I think that um, there is just no possibility that given the crises that we're facing, both with the economic crises brought on by the pandemic and the um climate crises and and related economic crises um well i should say not the related economic crises not um in relationship to climate change it there's it, we need economic transformation in relationship to climate change sure. and that transformation um will mean that we cannot be building edifices that glorify government prior to actually doing what we need to um prevent, I mean, prevent is a broad stroke, but mitigate um, climate catastrophe and prepare for climate catastrophe. Mm. So we do not need to be restructuring our town square and building a city hall right now. We have the highest per capita number of unsheltered people in the country. So we cannot be routing funds in that direction. And um, I will just love for those things to be struck until until we are... um, People have their bottom line met, and um, we are actually really um, prepared for um, the climate. What climate change will bring? That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, you've talked about 
regenerative economics as well as part of your platform, um, which is a which is a wonderful term. I had to look it up. I have to be honest, um, but we all have dictionaries in our pockets now. Most of us do, I should say. Many of us do. Um, so it's it's a great uh, landscape to be able to use terminology that might be considered previously to be esoteric. Look that one up too. Uh, no, I'm I'm talking down to my audience. They know what esoteric means. Um, but the reason I I bring up regenerative economics is because. First of all, I think that you as mayor would do a tremendous job of um, being outspoken and using your bully pulpit, using the role that you have um, as the mayor of, of Eugene, Oregon, the third or second biggest city in, or- in, in the best state in what I think is <laughs> yeah, the best country great. in the world. Yeah. So oh, you would be, country, that's what I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. an immigrant, so that's, you know, <laughs> okay, it's, it's did, a little yeah, yeah. bit of a different kind of take yeah. on things. <laughs> but um, the reason I mention that is because... Um, the economic structures that we are all subject to as, you know, little peon Eugenians um, are, they can, they are definitely informed by city council policy on some level, but um, I, th- I think that we have, we're kind of subject to bigger structures than that, the federal government, you know, for example. Um, so as mayor, how do you think that you would, you know, advocate um, like for federal policies, you know, Kitty Piercy did that quite a bit and worked alongside, mm-hmm. you know, the Oregon sen- senators, mm-hmm. Wyden Merkley, and then the car- congressperson DeFazio, who I'm hoping will be replaced by Canning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get, you become mayor, mm-hmm. you get their phone number, you call <laughs> them up. What are you saying to, you know, Senator Merkley? You know, what are you, what are you trying mm-hmm. to do as mayor of Eugene um, sure. to, to push for a, sure. Eugenians sure. Uh, to, to feel like their government fucking cares about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first I'll say that the, um, the number one priority, I think, f- for myself as mayor, as I think it should be, would be addressing climate change. And this affects every other, you know, realm that needs to be addressed. You know, systemic racism, it touches on that Um the vast um, income and wealth inequality, impoverishment, it touches on that, et cetera. Economic development touches on that. So, um, so what I would do, I mean, I see, you know, I've watched some of the um, conference of mayors. You can watch it on C-SPAN and um, you know, I suppose as a mayor, I would have opportunity to go to that. But as I I've would, gotten older, I tolerate C-SPAN so much more. <laughs> yes, as a kid, I'm like, C-SPAN where's is- the action? And then now I'm like, this stupid action is breaking apart and cutting things up into sound bites. My, yeah, exactly. My partner makes fun of me for like watching C-SPAN so much. Yeah. Um, but so what I would do is actually something that maybe the model for it is something like AOC does, but not. I don't know that I would, you know, in joining the Conference of Mayors, I don't see that that's where I could be potent. I see organizing with, for example, mayors of other cities or um, or, or any organizers who are really interested in um, cities becoming real models for how to address climate catastrophe and s- scaffolding from the local level on up. Because if you get uh, for one city, then you can get two cities because then if one city does it, the people in another city start demanding that model and then it spreads. And then if you have five cities, you have some leverage power, you know, in relationship to corporations, you in relationship to government policy and it grows. So um, I would not be um, putting my energies like it's sort of wasting my energies on um, sort of status quo structures or people mm. that 
um, you know, if I if I learn that there's there's a usefulness to it and that it's possible to be efficacious in that route, then I would do it. But really, I would be looking to um, for new organizing structures. Hmm. I think that that's that's brilliant. Um, Let's talk about what it means to advocate for or hold space for decolonization. There was a person who was on the Solidarity Platform, uh, Eugene's Facebook page, and they were so, it's so funny because they had this criticism and they were like, this is this, you guys, this is such such a PC, politically correct, uh, you know, platform, you know, this is going to run Eugene into the ground or whatever they were saying. Um, And they they said oh you know the they actually this specific person said the colonial period was a hundred years ago blah blah and i'm like well that's not even an accurate number as a historian (laughs) but um the colonial period is what we're still in now i mean you know i had a great teacher who talked about how um the civil war never ended and i agree i mean reconstruction (laughs) happened but the the cultural fissures are still deeply a part of our society (laughs) here in oregon it's like totally okay to just like think that a stupid person kind of (laughs) talks like this you know oh you know and it's that's like anti-southern bias so my point uh is that that's not how history works is like oh end chapter ends so Mm -hmm. that that period is Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. um and but I guess to go into more about this this comment because I'm so petty about it <laughs> is that um, they said they were, that you guys are being politically correct and that you talked about decolonization. To me, talking about decolonization, <laughs> I don't use that word in my platform in part because that is not politically correct. It does. Um, give you that it erases what is seen as viability and it makes you look like an idealist um but um what is your response to that because i do support um you know decolonizing our minds and our societies and the structures that do continue to perpetuate the kind of bs that 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 they were built to perpetuate um so what does decolonization mean to you um thanks for the opportunity to talk about that um mainstream media has not been interested no um so i will say first of all there's there's many agendas of decolonization and to the degree that i talk about um or give examples in any one area i don't mean to dismiss any others or preclude possibilities in broader or more specific ways i think that um you know obviously decolonization can um most um obviously relate to imperialist retreat right but um and that's the broadest application um are you talking like foreign policy like getting out of places where we continue to right so so that's um you know where where the term decolonizing came it's a flip Mm -hmm. of colonizing right right um so but then um i don't know of anyone um who is literally talking about in the U.S. about, um, you know, colonialist, colonial ancestry retreating. Um, and but if those voices are out there, then they should be heard. So that's but I, I guess I bring that up because I think decolonization can either seem it can be so alienating to people, either because it seems like such a broad impossibility because people's minds go to what I just described mm-hmm. Um and the reason I think that people aren't talking about that is that that we are actually deeply all sensitive to, you know, when people put roots down somewhere, then that really um, is something that is so um, inherently valuable that we all relate to it. Mm. So now we know that people had roots here that um, so so we need to um, we need to 
you know, consider the people who have been displaced and, um, and, you know, how to do that without then displacing the people who are ancestors of the people that displaced them, et cetera. Mm. That's a whole very broad, complicated thing that right. um, is, deserves real discussion. Yes. I want to just give an example of um, a very specific example of something that Eugene could do in that regard. And just before I do that, I just want to co- talk about other applications of decolonizing. Decolon- col- so Please if do. we if we consider the medical industry, right, women's bodies were in a sense further colonized when we were told um, to lay on our backs and and be um, what's like when you get an epidural and you know sort of have your body shut down and a doctor do all that natural process and suddenly it costs costs eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars, whereas um, you know it's actually pretty possible to squat and do it for free. Wow. But in most cases, you know, obviously there's value in Western medicine um, that is sometimes very necessary, but God, it's I'm a big clearly skeptic gone of Western too far. Medicine, though. <laughs> like, right? Just yeah, like yeah, yeah. the status quo of like, gosh, <laughs> this predatory private, <laughs> like uh, privatized health in industry yeah. is like, wow, this is there, you guys are a million degrees away from like yeah. making a person feel better. Yes, and feel. <laughs> exactly. And so just in that, you know, just that's an, one example where we can decolonize our minds. In fact, yeah. both my children were water births. I had never even heard of water birthing. And at first I thought, oh my God, no, I'll be killing my babies upon wow. birth. You know, so so there's m- so many realms in which this is applicable. But let me talk about, you know, government policy in the city yeah. of Eugene. So the city of Eugene is currently poised to gift away the um, retired steam plant building to the same developers who tried to steal Kesey Square. And they're planning to gift the building and some of the land around that the steam plant um, to these developers and throw in $4 million um, with it. How that $4 million came up is that after uh, the, the developers who they, um, the city began negotiations with to transfer ownership to them um, sort of got, were selected from just among four different developer groups. Then afterwards, they came back and said, you know, actually to kind of do what we want to do, we would need $4 million. And so, um, you know, that is a little bit <laughs> gross to me right. as, as part of the process. But the thing is, you know, when I think about this, there's the Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde, as just an example, who, who um, represent people who are displaced from Eugene, right? They are actively... Um, acquisitioning land and doing, you know, some some awesome things with it, such as um, building cultural centers so that, like, there's a... in Elsewhere in Oregon, I'm forgetting right now where it is, um, and I mean to visit it, but, you know, the British Museum just loaned um, artifacts that they had stolen, you know, now they're, they're loaning them back, um, to... Uh, um, to isn't that funny, loaning them back? Yeah, loaning them back. You know, so, wow. That Oh, and then it's so cool because that museum exhibit here, then people began to learn um, more of their own ancestry, how things were made, how things were done. But anyway, then in, I believe it's Oregon City, right on the river, they have a 36, they just acquisitioned an, a retired mill, mm. and they are investing $36 million in a reno- renovation for it. Um to make it um, another cultural center. So the thing is, Eugene, in relationship to decolonizing, could have considered a, you know, I, I actually don't, 
promote public-private partnerships, mm -hmm. um, and which is, you know, actually what what is the label for what this steam plant transfer falls under. Um, you, we can't call it a partnership when one person, one entity, ends up taking over ownership. That wow. is privatization shrouded under a nice um, PPP label. But um, so that's an example. What if we? What if the city government had approached the Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde or other representative organizations of displaced people of Eugene and said, you know, we are um, gifting away some land. Every year, Eugene has um, the Riverfront Festival where they acknowledge um, the Kalapunyan people and how important the river was to them. Mm. And so, you know, that just makes it all the more pointed to me that here we are gifting away riverfront property um, to wow. poor white men, wow. you know, who already tried to steal Kesey Square. Actually, I think only three of the particular four tried to steal Kesey Square. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's just um, an example of what some possibilities under this extremely broad label of decolonization could be. I think that that is a better answer than I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, and uh, if people, um, so my, we all have our own particular view of the world. and I, I love videos and, and YouTube and stuff. So my assumption was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do really well because I have a big YouTube presence. And uh, I actually don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, because people are looking at their, um, looking at who's on their ballot and trying to learn, like, who are these people, not just on paper? I, I figure they'll go on to some of those social media sites and um, video sharing sites. But if people search Zondi Zinke on YouTube, they will find you giving an impassioned plea to some news reporters uh, about basically what you were saying then, uh, but particularly about homeless people being um, evicted from an area uh, and talking about Eugene's 1% being Gordon Obie and uh, another mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. who... Uh, Casey Barrett. Yeah, yeah Brian Obie and Casey Barrett. Barrett. Brian, Brian Obie, the former mayor. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought that was really powerful. And I was like, man, like, Zondi Zinke's got it, you know, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it is, you've got it. Um, but you used a, a, a phrase that I really liked. Um, I speak in paragraphs, so it's yeah, kind of good. like I'm answering, <laughs> asking you questions, but it's kind of like we're just going back it's and forth, good. right? I love um, it. And um, you used a phrase that you said real discussion. Um, and with you know, indigenous rights and honoring uh, Kalapuya Ilihi that we live on now. Um, I think that, you know, if, uh, you know, it's, it's, there are, there are elements where people who are more privileged, uh, you know, I have certain privileges, you have certain privileges, um, will kind of performatively give lip service to, um, you know, native peoples and first nations peoples. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, if we're going to be progressive, you have to continue to make progress. And it is progress that in many, sometimes government functions, but more, more likely activist circles will begin any kind of an event by saying, you know, we acknowledge that this is taking place on uh, historically the Kalapuya Elihi or the land that was that was operated by uh, you know, whatever regional native <laughs> tribes that you're in. Um, but real discussion is about continuing to move forward if if we acknowledge that every time because it makes us feel good and it kind of strokes our ego and makes us feel like it's valid to now do whatever we were going to do um that is one step but um you know i believe that one thing that a, a eugene mayor should do is be able to lead like events that are educational that are discussion based um and that's been a big part of what i have sort of fought for too because um and i think that i say that because i think you could be able to um Obviously, we want to lift up voices of people who, who are of that identity um, and um, give them opportunities if they want those opportunities. I think that either you or I would, would do that. Um, but 
you know, like talking about the power of a, a mayor of a, a city with a weak mayor system like we have, mm -hmm. right? We do not have a strong mayor system. The mayor does not hire the city staff. The mayor basically guides the city council who hires the city manager who has the most executive authority. And then you know, we don't get to <laughs> yeah. elect that person. It's basically structured so the people are far away from that decision, <laughs> right? Yep. Um, but one thing that the mayor does have the power to do is just be a vocal, outspoken leader. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I, mm -hmm. you know, I have a background in music, so I want to mm -hmm. do intergen intergenerational group singing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to awesome. get people together and lead like with my guitar and or with like people who are better musicians than me mm -hmm. and like sing songs together because at some point we have fallen away. Eugene has fallen mm -hmm. away from the ideals that we like to then like talk about when it's election season, like, you know, oh, we've got this unique, like quirky, like community. <laughs> it's like, we're sitting in the place where I grew up seeing people playing drums and that mm. got kicked out. It's you know, they so got, they're not allowed to play drums it's anymore at the Saturday market. And it's like the it's most, most, the, the it's very most visible and impactful, like celebration of what community is mm -hmm. and you're getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's mm -hmm. so fucked up. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like mm -hmm. we've talked about mm -hmm. this a bit, but like, as mayor, like, you know, as a spiritual leader of the community, what do you, mm -hmm. what would you do? Mm -hmm. What would you, mm -hmm. what would you mm -hmm. try to do to bring people mm -hmm. together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. As a spiritual leader of the community, um, I guess I, uh, first of all, I love your idea of bringing people together. I think that um, I'm aware that, and I know you're aware too, that Sunrise always involves music. Yeah. Um, in their meetings. And I think that that's really tremendous. And when you I were talking, that. yeah, when you were talking about a drum circle and, you know, and how the drum circle and how it was kicked out, I mean, I really, you know, I experienced it. I'm as surprised we haven't been kicked out here. I know. <laughs> County Sheriff pulled up right behind my car, <laughs> hung there yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. I just chilled. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, um, it's funny. I've, I have, um, done a lot of what would you say? I don't know. Psychotherapy, you know, individual therapist work in my life, and it took a long time to really um, for me to see the legitimacy of of somatic work. So, so nice. you know, because I can can be a bit of an intellectual person, mm. and um, and you know, a drum circle is hugely healing, and yes. so. Um, I think that, I mean, it's a form of decolonization, actually, to move away from these, um, you know, from the decorum that we have or how we perceive of what we perceive of as decorum. And so um, I think I would um, put you, not put you, I can't do put you on anything, but I would ask mm -hmm. you to serve on a committee to, yeah. um, to answer your own question. Because I think that, <laughs> I mean, I, I truly think like bring music, uh, these things are... Um, you know, I, it's it's actually you know really amazing and moving to me to consider, um, what do you say, it, uh, the non-explicit ways or um, that you are in, uh, bringing resilience to community. I think that uh, you reflected a lot of what executive leadership is about, which is about putting people in the right positions and uh, making the right connections and delegating tasks. Frankly, when you're not the expert of whatever it is that you believe should be done, but mm -hmm. you have the ability to empower other people mm -hmm. um, to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and one thing that you've done with the Solidarity platform um, is I want to give you a chance to talk about like, like, talk, like so we got Leah Williams, right? That's his mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. uh, and yep. Candace King running in Ward mm -hmm. 1. Mm -hmm. And we've got Benjamin Ricker and yourself and Stacey Westover running mm -hmm. in 
the Eugene mayoral mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Um, as I go over to make sure that the phone is still recording, um, talk about um, those people and how that came together and, and how, you know, I've heard you make the argument for why it's good to run multiple candidates in a mayoral race, but mm-hmm. could you mm-hmm. make that for us now? Yeah, sure. Um, well, at the mayoral level, Maybe it would be poor strategy if someone like Mike Clark, as you said, someone that would be to the right of Vinny's were running too, and particularly if, he, if that person had a robust campaign. But in fact, um, there is, Vinny's is running to the right of all of us. She <laughs> is, uh, uh, you know, so there is um, actually what we need to do is collectively, I mean, I really just see this as a collective mission mission to allow, um, allow um, not some non-status quo thinking um, and action at the higher level um, of our local government. So what we need to do is collectively, I don't care who it is, we just... Or write-ins. Write-ins or are just write-ins, as powerful. Sure, write-in whoever you want to write-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they count. So... Especially because, like, we do have people who are conservative in Eugene, and they voted for Mike Clark, 19,000 of them. Right in Mike Clark. Right, exactly. Please please do, because (laughs) you know that Venice is not going to represent you if you have those beliefs. Um, But don't just settle for the person that you think is going to be the most friendly to those. Yeah. Because that's, I don't know. Yeah. I want to say two things that um, in, I I watched Thomas's interview with Kitty Piercy, the former mayor, Kitty Piercy. Mm -hmm. I watched it last night and um, it was so striking to me that she, okay, we know the register guard gave a weak endorsement. It was explicitly weak. weak endorsement of Mayor Vinny's. And it was like a sigh, like, <laughs> oh, well, since it's going to be her, how are we going to get her to do her job? And, and, the, and, and the Eugene Weekly, the only words they put um, beneath their endorsement of Lucy Vinny's were actually our names. Yes. <laughs> so they just didn't even write anything at all. No. And so it's amazing. Like they did yeah. that for Claire Syrett's race too against yeah. Cl- Cliff Gray, but isn't that uh, amazing? Like they couldn't yeah. think of anything to say about the race for the top s- position in That's our city right. government. It really. So I mean, to you know, of course, pe- someone with my positions, I don't stand by her. But to see that actually, you know, the people of the establishment are not are seeing what a weak leader she's been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really stands out. And then when um, I heard. Kitty Piercy on your show, who, as you have acknowledged, has, has twice endorsed um, both the first time anointing her mm-hmm. and, and in this race um, endorsed uh, Mayor Vinnie's, Lucy Vinnie's. We see that also she um, she really said two things. One, that this um, that uh, I'm trying to remember I think correctly. She said to, about the council, they need to recognize that they're leaders. They need to and recognize they need to be their leaders. Yep. Yeah, they, right. The, the council needs to recognize that they're leaders and needs to be energized. And um, the, you know, of course, one of the people, I mean, she wasn't necessarily explicitly, I mean, she wasn't explicitly talking about um, Lucy Vinnie's and mm-hmm. their friends. And, and, you know, yes, they are. and if she feels that I've misconstrued what she says, she's going to jump on it. But, she could have. There was opportunity there to speak about what a great job she thought Lucy Vinnie's was doing. She did not do that, in, in, and then instead chose to talk about, you know, the council um, could 
you know, it, it needs leadership. Yes. So who might lead the council? We could ask us mayoral <laughs> candidates could ask who might lead the council. Yeah. And in fact, um, Kitty Piercy was asking that last night. Yes. <laughs> I mean, in, no, not it last is, night, but it um, is it is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and I said that I think she said those things. She definitely said those things because I I captioned the whole thing and that took days. <laughs> yes, I know. And I have to say one thing I really appreciate the. Um, the I I knew that Thomas had worked hard to caption it. I actually thought the sound quality was terrific and didn't okay. need the captioning. Mm-hmm. But he changed the word alumnus when he was talking about Mayor yeah. um, about Kitty Piercy, uh-huh. former Mayor Kitty Piercy, to, to alumna. alumna. Yeah. And I just appreciated that <laughs> so much. <laughs> I had to look it on the fly. Um, I said alumnus accidentally, but yeah. yes, I was yeah. incorrect and about so, that. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for that. So that's such uh, detailed watching, and it's great. Um, well. Um, Gosh, it's so true, though, because um, the council and the mayor, too, like the way that they function, um, it's been really interesting to watch. Like, OK, let's say I was really longstanding friends with with Lucy and I saw that she was the mayor. Now that she's the mayor, I want to believe really strongly that she's doing a really good job and I want to be able to, um, you know, she's not a very active um web person you know web presence person um so uh but a lot of people if you're the mayor of you know a small city people are going to make a lot of critiques of you and so a lot of her sort of surrogates will respond to those critiques right Mm -hmm. and those responses have been to me so weak in in many Uh cases because because one of the biggest things that they'll say is you know people will get upset that you know we're not seeing a lot of leadership here um, for, uh, on this issue or, you know, one thing you and I agreed about was that, you know, there was uncertainty about whether two major track events were going to happen at the giant um, construction that they've got over there on the campus. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately the Olympic trials were postponed and then it looks like the 2021 games are also postponed. But I would have just appreciated as a citizen, as a person, <laughs> to have the mayor come out and like, assuage some of those fears Mm -hmm. but i think that you know she is like very much in the pocket of like i'm not going to upset the people that are running that because Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. she's been all for it and like this Mm -hmm. is like Mm -hmm. you know really good for the businesses Mm -hmm. and the economic (laughs) development of eugene um but i guess my point is that one of the biggest things people will say is um and i talked about this on the spent the rent podcast with patty rose is that the mayor doesn't have any power. Like, why are you like so upset at her? Like you should be talking to the city councilors. You should talk to the city council. It's like bullshit. Yeah. The mayor's the leader of the city council. Yeah. And, and let me say, here's, here's just like one example. City staff, when they were um, proposing the CET ordinance, um, and I didn't even touch on this the other, in, I haven't touched on this publicly um, in any of my campaigning yet. The a city staff, uh, one of the top city staff, Denny Bod. Um, had put in the draft ordinance a, a max tax, so a cap on the tax, mm. so that no entity would pay over a million dollars. The That is absurd because the, what that means is that the largest projects end up paying a lower percentage than the smaller projects, right? Than, than the under. Regressive. Right? And so Emily Semple said, why do we have a, a you know, cap on the tax? And Denny Bod said, well, it's a reasonability test. I mean, I quote that. It's a reasonable, he said, it's a reasonableness test. Mm. And Emily might have said, you know, what do you, what do you mean by that? And, or he might have just mumbled through knowing that that didn't sound too reasonable. <laughs> and he said, um, well, it's just kind of unreasonable that any single entity would pay more than a million dollars. Lucy Vinnie didn't say a word. And that 
cap. That is so her. Made it all the way months and months and months, maybe, I don't know, six months later to when the ordinance was on the table to be voted on. And Emily Semple sort of traded her vote to get rid of that. Um, I mean, this is how she framed it sort of publicly. She traded the vote. So if they would get rid of that that cap, she would vote for this completely whittled value to the CET. I mean, it's, it's actually a terrible trade or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, so and it's gross that she would get to the point of having to make that trade. It is gross that Vinny's, I'll just, since I'm running for mayor, I'll focus on Mayor Vinny's. It's been so great because I was like, for a long time, people were like, well, you're so mad at this person. So I kind of eased off the gas pedal. <laughs> but someone needs to say what's yes. going on. Oh, okay. And I so would you've been love, doing that and I'm just sitting back like I would love the opportunity. in my mouth like, hell yes. <laughs> I would love the opportunity to say a few things because, you know, I mean, if I were in that room, I would, I would, you know, maybe, I don't know if I'd say it in that room or maybe I'd go with the decorum and call a private meeting and say no staff should ever bring such bullshit back into this room. We represent the people and not the special interests. You're representing the 1% there and that's disgusting and don't do it again. Right? right. I mean, I don't know. So maybe I, that's that's all the power I have to just, you know, do that. But that's, you know, and then I would bring it public. And so yeah. I, you know, would make sure that the public knew that we, you know, had this done, perpetrated by our staff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that speaks to, you know, um, the the weak mayor system that you're talking about, but that mm. is not okay. And that's just one example. Time and time again, I've seen her not speak up where she needs to, and I've seen the reverse. In her State of the City oh speech, she said homelessness is closely tied to public safety and then proceeded to talk about how Eugene has been under-policed. Okay? Mm. That, I mean, you know, I it is... Um, you know, you're going to be overblown anytime you compare pretty much anyone to Donald Trump. So, mm-hmm. you know, but the truth is, right, he talked oh, about... Oh, I mean, I would say that there are many cases in which Donald Trump has exhibited more leadership than Lucy Venice. Okay. And I'm more than willing to say that as a <laughs> okay, statement. there you go. So. There you go. Yeah. And so we know how he talked about people across the border. She, and that's disgusting, she is promoting a mythology against, um, you know, some of the most vulnerable, marginalized people in our community. And... Then we see that it's part, in part because of um, the city's failure to provide baseline provisions and even sanction places for unhoused people to go. Hello. Hello. Sorry. We're re- Hello. We're recording, but I'm just Would saying. you like to come into the shot? We are filming. <laughs> and uh, sorry for the audio <laughs> listeners. But oh, yeah. um, this but is the beauty of Eugene. But we're also social distancing, so we can't oh, be so close. Oh, right. Closer. Of sorry. course. Of course. Sorry. sorry. Oh, I've seen this gentleman before. Yes, you are. Well, it's a totally unedited show, and so the only way I can edit you right now out is to say that I'm sorry we're going to have to keep going with our conversation. <laughs> Naruhito, number one. And? I didn't hear that. This guy knows a little bit of Japanese, though. It's great. All right. Thank you, okay. sir. We're going to proceed with thank our you. interview. Can I say one no. Sorry. <laughs> My favorite book is a recording. All right. Okay, thank, thank you. you. So I chatted with that guy yesterday. Oh yeah, <laughs> he seemed to know. Me. So um, what was I going to say? So so then we then the business community is they're you know becoming vigilant vigilante saying you know there's the wake up Eugene right. So um, the the founder of Wake Up Eugene. Stephen Sheehan. Stephen Sheehan. In his founding video, he says, um, I might not get this exactly right, but it's close enough, mm. that I'm fitting to choke out a transient right now. Okay? Mm. 
So, okay, I understand he just seen some uh, destruction happen to his restaurant. He was upset. Maybe he was on a rant. I still don't think it's cool. But, mm. okay, I understand, you know, when people go off, they go off. He could have taken that down or any of the the thousand followers he had could have said, hey, you know, we maybe we want to, you know, do some problem solving with you, but take that hate speech down. Mm. No, that didn't happen. And you know what our mayor did? She says I'm, she she calls him a victim when the um, when when uh, some protesters had gone into his restaurant. Right. And um, basically. uh Stated yeah, Mike his, Clark uh, called them uh, called it an assault, right? And then Venice basically uncritically agreed with everything that he said. Uncritically and, agreed and basically said he had been victimized. This man had been they victimized were saying, again. House keys, not handcuffs. House keys, not a, handcuffs. That, exactly. To me, the word assault uh, a little bit rough, right? <laughs> but he had been victimized again because the district attorney had found that those um, protesters couldn't be prosecuted i mean so she is stretching so far i mean to me mm. you can p- compare that to trump's comments on charlottesville it's just you know he's got hate speech on one hand mm. they've got love speech on the other hand right <laughs> and you know um the you know and she's basically saying because they followed the letter of the law you know and so it's just um i i really can't even comprehend mm. her and, and you know what? I really am not looking to promote a divide between the business community and the unhoused community or between sure. Wake Up Eugene and um, and uh, Houses Not Handcuffs or any of that. Right. But um, because you know what? It is the government's responsibility to allocate their budget such that people's baseline needs are met. Mm. And we wouldn't be running into this, um, ca- this, anyway, this categorical hate. I think that's, yeah, I mean... Uh so I used to run a big social media platform in college and it was a, it was the, where I got my start with interviewing people and it's called humans of Carlton. Um, and, uh, it, it probably didn't have, well, it had a lot of traffic back in the day who get like 400, 500 likes on a post and a lot of comments, um, and relatively apolitical, but still had a bit of a, a lens to it as everything does that humans do. And I say, I, I guess, so my thing with Eugene wake up, um, in this discussion is that, um, one of the things that's so troubling about their platform is that they don't seem to do much about the, the, the stuff that is explicitly hate speech, like, mm-hmm, like what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah. If I am to assume, and in many cases I do assume this, that there's a noble intention to some of the things that they do and they post, mm-hmm. you know, they disrupt their own credibility mm-hmm. um, right. because often they will say things like, we're not opposed to homelessness, mm-hmm. we're opposed mm-hmm. to lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if that was consistently true across mm-hmm. every post and across, you know, what the conversation, the dialogue that they're curating, mm-hmm. then that would be one thing. Mm-hmm. But but often, you know, the po- the page I've heard them refer to people as bums, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, like disparaging mm-hmm. bums, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, someone uh, just uh, yesterday, um, you know, today's May third, so on the May on May second, there was an article posted about how the um, uh, West uh, the area where mm-hmm. West Eleventh, yeah, uh-huh. or that area. Mm-hmm. Um, sixth and seventh mm-hmm. across cha- past chambers um that camp is being po- told they have to mm-hmm. leave by mm-hmm. monday um and then somebody you know commented like oh we're, we're gonna need bigger roach traps you know so it's like um there's this really hate it is hateful it's yeah. dehumanizing and it's cruel dialogue that um 
once you once you allow that kind of stuff, yeah. it it only festers, it only snowballs. Yeah. And so, yeah. if they had leadership that really believed strongly uh, in you know loving the homeless, which they kind of try to talk about also, um, that would be one thing. But yeah, it, this it. I mean, that we haven't had the mayor call that out is you know to me it hurts the whole community. Um, right. The um, I want to say also that this, this was the other thing um, that Kitty Piercy said in talking with you. Mm. She said, you know, what she was talking about, the lack of leadership in our current with with our incumbents is all of them um, mm. is that she said, you know, I really think you can just have a camp in every uh, in every ward. neighborhood or ward. Right. I have sat down with city staff and with Emily Semple and the city staff specifically working on um on rest stops and um, safe spots and and uh, un- the unhoused issue, as they call it, and you know, um, the the it was so clear to me that you could just say to all the neighborhood associations, you say, listen, every neighborhood is going to have is going to have a designated rest stop. Mm. We will give you this amount of time to choose your location, and if you don't choose it, the government will choose it for you. They, if there's a problem, we could look at moving the rest stop. But th- this is how you hold a line with people, right? That's leadership to say, okay, we want to give you choice, but we, we are not going to continue to have people having no place to go, mm. right? They have kicked the can on this for years and years and years. And, I mean, do they, um, I mean, it's like there's, do they not have any sense in, uh, of how to hold a line, mm. right? Or do they not want to, or is it they don't have the will? I think it's much more that they don't have the will. Okay, yes, sure. Um, and, you know, optically, too, um, our current mayor, I'm not going to disparage people f- based on where they live, um, but, you know, she lives out on West 34th, uh, which is in the South Hills, and it's like, you know, okay, if you want to look really historically at, like, yeah. okay, uh, we both have connections to Columbia University, which is on a big hill, and that's not a... Georgetown University is on a big hill, and Columbia overlooks Harlem, and it's like, I'm looking down on you, Right. But also a big reason why historically those things are where um, more well off people lived is because it's harder to get to and it's harder to congregate around. And so there is privilege in living in a place where you do not uh, you're not in close contact with with people who are unhoused. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, the deep hypocrisy there has been that it doesn't tend to affect her in her daily life, but she's more than willing to. make it so that only Bethel and Train Song and, you know, like West Eugene are, um, you know, providing services for this community of people. And so there's deep classism in mm-hmm. what's going on. Classism mm-hmm. is not progressive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you like the for me, progressivism, the very first thing should be about like resources and class and economics. Um, everything else, the other identities are important as well. But like, gosh. Yeah, you know, I, so I want to relate this to city policy Please around do. affordable housing. The The policy is affordability at every level. And and basically, um, the government in some way subsidizing affordability at every level. Okay. That is an absurd thing to say. This is why. Someone who can afford <laughs> yeah, housing at this phrase. level... 
can afford it at this level, <laughs> right? Someone who can afford it at this level can afford it at this level. The city statistics. Like you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have uh, affordable Snickers bars for every level. I mean, basically, you know? what I know. <laughs> I mean, basically, someone who's rich, rich can afford a lot of so Snickers bars. I can't deal with them talking about equity and affordability at every level. I mean, that is an absurd, you know, construct. Yeah. And so, if we think about um, low-income housing, yeah, as low in- subsidized low-income <laughs> housing. You know, and then if you need more of it because people can't, you know, then they can come and have this housing. But the but the thing is, I mean, what they're really talking about. Well, first of all, let me share the city statistics. Sure. They have this um, in their missile missing, quote unquote, missing middle um, graph graphic. Mm-hmm. They show a for people who can pay. I think it's under I can't remember. It's under a thousand or a hundred. It's under a hundred people who can pay under $625 a month, there is a 13,000 unit shortage in mm. Eugene. Then you get to Immense. people who can pay um, up to eight some, 875 and then $1,250. Um, and they actually say there's some surpluses, just like a little, little bit of surplus in each of those. And then you get to something that's just, um, I think it goes where you get to then... Um, just under paying, paying just under 2000 a month. And then they say there's about a, I think it's a $3,000, I mean, sorry, a 3000 unit shortage, Mm -hmm. but that's an absurd graph because if some people can afford, you know, $1,900 a month, they can also afford, uh, $1,500 a month. So the, what it is, is it's a, a, um, and what they're talking about is basically subsidizing private developers so that private developers can charge, you know, put in, I don't know, a granite countertops as opposed to linoleum countertops or whatever goes on a countertop. And, <laughs> and then they can charge, you know, 1900. So right. it's a play into classism at the right. same time as they're talking about equity and they're doing it with public dollars. Absolutely. Um, are there any other things we're at uh, over an hour? Um, and, as I love long form podcasts, but I'm not famous yet. When I'm famous, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not famous yet either. Yeah, exactly. But we we will be uh, at least in in hopefully in the world of municipal Eugene politics. Um, and uh, so I, I I recognize that people's attention span is not like oh I'm really gonna excite, <laughs> sit through this two hours of content when they have nope. YouTube and you know Hulu know and it. Netflix right next to them as well. Are there things that we haven't been able to chat about yet um, that you want to get out there because this is your chance? Yeah, um, no, I really appreciate. No, no, no. I think we've, we, I think we've covered it. I mean, Good. we could do a total reverse at some point. Um, well, I don't want to. I think people, <laughs> hopefully, people who are really just curious voters, with the time they have, I don't want to presume people have a lot of time because of COVID nineteen, but many, many cases uh-huh. people have more time at home in front of screens uh, or um, driving. You know, listen to the podcast and listen to Matthew Uke's episode, Robert Patterson's episode, Zondi Zinke here. And uh, I have to ask you though the final question. Um, what's one way that we could all be a little less stupid? One way we could all be a little less stupid. Um, I really think just like, I don't know, look, look up or look at decolonization or Mm. like if you're already down with decolonization, um, you know, do something that, you know, where you're engaging in the decolonizing, um, your mind or behaviors or, um, the community around you in some way. But I just think, um, you know, that's a way of opening one's mind. Um, I think, and, uh, 
And then I would just say, if, if basically I have lots and lots of breakdown on my, um, page, which you get to, I have my own page, um, on the Solidarity Platform Eugene page, which is, uh, Solidarity Platform Eugene.org. And, um, so, and, or anyone can call me or, um, 650-743-8588. Um, and again, I just really encourage people to, in the primary, choose someone other than Mayor Vinny's, <laughs> and um, then you can have your choice. Yeah, you'll um, get her on your November ballot regardless. Exactly. That's, like, impossible that we would overcome all the right. conventional, <laughs> like, I went on Yahoo Mail and Lucy Venice on the side, you know, like, advertising that I'm not paying for. Oh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, before I just totally wrap up, um, I love what you said. I, we don't want it... Uh, mix up the solidarity platform which is a standalone entity with uh, essn or san's solidarity action network or eugene springfield solidarity network although they have done a pretty outstanding job of providing forums um that are i guess a little similar to this in that they're both on youtube and with candidates and about 40 minutes long but um are more explicitly like Mm -hmm. they ask the same questions to all the people and Mm -hmm. i was on there she was on there and so just please Mm -hmm. dive into this race Mm -hmm. um But also, I just want to say, like, um, when you brought up decolonization and what it means, um, I'm reminded of Diane Downey, who was an amazing high school teacher I had, who was a literature teacher. Um, And on the very last day of our senior year of high school, um, she was thinking about what message she wanted to deliver to us. And um, she basically had drawn like what looked like a ladder on the whiteboard or a, a staircase rather. And she basically said, whatever you do in life, you're going to want to get up here, but you don't have to do it in a way by taking jobs, by doing things that step on these other people mm-hmm. where you have to step on these people to get up higher mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's not what you should do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was beautiful and I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it so. is. And. I, uh, you're reminding that's me what because the colonial attitude is yes and and i mean we can also decolonize language you're reminding me because i used to teach and I'm right in front on the, of a ronald reagan quote let's decolonize the shit out of that yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> oh i mean i didn't get to say this city f- is is entrenched in trickle-down economics oh. the city policy is entrenched in trickle-down economics and you know uh, we got to be we got to expose that but um, the other thing I was just going to say, because I used to teach and you reminded me of writing on the blackboard and I would just give, you know, just a brief lesson on pay t- paying attention to language. I mean, we talk that I hate this word. We talk about slaves, right? Mm. There are enslavers and there, I guess, are enslaved are people, enslaved but people. there is no such thing as a slave. Right. right. <laughs> you know, so. Yes. That's that does not. And, and the lexicon the language we use our vocabulary matters so much because we Mm -hmm. think in language Mm -hmm. we dream in language Mm -hmm. so if i believe that i'm a slave Mm -hmm. am i going to resist am i going to (laughs) rebel yeah you know absolutely absolutely not um this has been a great conversation and uh when one of us is the mayor We'll chat again about how the other one is doing and living up to uh and i will be so 100 percent behind thomas if we get him to break through. I hope so. But, um, <laughs> that's really kind. And um, that's that's been indicative of your whole role in this has been that it's never been about you. For me, it started out being a lot about me. And now I'm like <laughs> I'm inspired by you and I'm with everybody. Uh, I was wary um, of you and now I'm tight with you. So I'm good. promoting you. All so. right. Well, All thank good. you very much. And thanks, everybody, for checking out the show. Take care.